0: Canadian and Vancouver native and greatly respected record producer, mixer and music engineer, Mike Fraser is virtually sitting down with me this afternoon due to the unfortunate circumstances our world is in today. Mike comes on my show today with a wealth of knowledge, insight, and first-hand experience of the music industry, and we're going to chat all about it. Mike, welcome to the Jigme Kelton Show. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, great, great. Happy to be here. I mean, uh, it's a pleasure to have you. I mean, I think that these times have been so hard on everybody, and for the music industry, I know it, it may have been a big impact as well, because everyone's doing everything virtually and having everything just change all, all of a sudden, and we don't know what to expect in the future. Um so so I, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. I mean, yeah, man. How, how, how have you been holding up?
1: Well, you know, this pandemic's really, really impacted the world, you know, especially the entertainment industry. Um, you know, all the movies and all that stuff seem to have kind of got it together and they're able to keep sort of filming. Uh, but the music has been really tough, in the, you know, especially in the studio, you know, with bands not uh, able to. To do full tours or anything, they're not able to generate money, and without that money, uh, they don't have money to spend in the studio. So uh, most of my projects have all been kind of put on hold until until things can open up again. And and you know, bands have to be playing to full venues. You know, half venues, nobody's making any money. You know, so um, you know those concerts that are at half or limited things. Or for the fans and just trying to keep things going, but nobody's making any money. So
0: uh you know, it's been really tough. Certainly. And uh I mean that's that's expected. I mean, uh due to the circumstances that everyone's been under uh these past few years and uh, we're all looking forward to get out of this uh, safely and, and as best as we possibly can. But at this point uh nothing is uh for uh, guaranteed at this point because of everything that just keeps happening and um canceled yes. shows, canceled concerts, um everything's been been pushed back a lot and and now this is you got to rise to the challenge and somehow um i i i hope that the music industry is finding different ways to pivot and trying to find alternative ways to get music to people and 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 still yeah. try and raise the spirits of people i mean i think yeah. that's the goal isn't it well it is uh
1: but, you know, you have to understand we're, we're in the music uh, industry, the music business, so, you know, it's all well and good to to do streaming concerts and all that kind of stuff. It's great for the fans, but nobody's making money. You know, a fan's not going to plop down 20 bucks to watch a stream, you know what I mean? So there has to be a, a money influx. And, you know, uh, everybody loves streaming, and that's great, but, you know, with streaming, the bands only get a fraction of what money's being swapped, you know, so they can't make a living off off streaming you know it's it's actually hard record sales you know uh cds or even downloads from apple and and the other uh download sites you know there's got to be an exchange of money uh you know buy a band's t-shirt uh you know merchandise you know it, all that helps you know streaming is great to get your music out there but it's not it's not generating any money you know so it's just making it really tough on uh, on everybody you know from the musicians on up you know uh Most musicians aren't those, you know, multi-million dollar rock stars. You know, most of them are struggling,
0: uh, self-employed people. I mean, yeah, I mean, I I, I, I guess that, you know, the marketing side of everything also has an impact as well, uh, or if not the greatest impact because of everything going on right now. And, you know, sales are tougher than ever before we're we're seeing um, and how everything's unfolding and, um, artists and bands trying to figure out ways that they can even you know get virtual uh, virtual concerts going um and, yeah. and making it fun at home for people but again it's not the same i mean yeah. you know being being in person and enjoying that live music and enjoying those times where it's supposed to be memorable uh but yeah. like i mean how, how how has that been is that is it an accurate picture of how the music industry right now is dealing with um and sort of how how are they trying to find different ways to pivot and trying to find um ways to get music back into people
1: well you know to be honest you know most bands that i know are all just kind of trying to survive you know a lot of them have got had to go out and get full-time jobs uh just to pay the rent and all that stuff so really everybody's kind of holding their breath uh waiting for things to open up again and uh you know, I think we have to be really careful and not open it up too soon, or you get the variances going again. And, you know, the new wave comes in. And, you know, I think we just got to hunker down. I really personally believe that we're almost at the end of this, you know, with this Omicron seems to be a lot weaker uh, strain of this virus. Um, you know, a lot of people are vaccinated now. So you do if you do get sick, which is likely because, you know, it's very contagious, uh, it, it's not going to kill you or make you, you know, deathly sick. So, that's what's going to create this herd mute, um, immunity. And, uh, I think we're getting to the tail end of it. You know, I would bet in a probably, you know, four to six months, hopefully (laughs) we'll be kind of back to more normal. And, you know, how great is that going to be to, to go into a nice hot sweaty club and, and jump into the mosh pit with everybody right there with you and, and watching your favorite band It's going to be such an awesome moment.
0: Um, yeah. And, uh, I mean, let's, let's, let's bring it back to the point of, um, what inspired or ignited your passion for music? Because I know that as a producer and as a mixer, and engineer, um, you have different uh, passions that you have. Um, so, so sort of, can you explain what sort of got you into the music industry and the music realm?
1: Well, uh, I quit school quite young and I went into business with my dad running uh, logging equipment and driving trucks and stuff. And uh, here in Vancouver in the winter, you know, we don't get a lot of snow, but it's, it's pretty muddy. So we'd had to shut down for a couple months every winter. And I got bored of sitting around watching soap operas. Uh, when I was in school, I was in a little garage band and I learned there that I wasn't good enough at guitar to make a living at it. So, you know, didn't do that. So when I when I decided to you know get out of the trucking industry, I thought, well, what do I like doing? I love doing music. I can't play guitar good enough. Oh, I know. i maybe I'll get a job at a studio. So I phoned a few places uh, around in Vancouver here and uh, got a job at a studio uh, as a janitor. They didn't have any other work available, but they had said, Oh, we got a janitor spot available. So I took that just to get my foot in the door and, uh, i guess just climbed up the ladder from there i mean i loved it i i you know worked 20 22 hour days uh had a sleeping bag at the studio i i lived there for about a year and a half <laughs> my sleeping bag i was just i was hooked so that was the beginning of it
0: i mean certainly and um you know i think it's interesting to know the fact that like you know, those little jobs and how they can really impact your steps to get into a big, you know, position like you are in right now. Um, yeah. I mean, out of those jobs that you've you've had and and getting to the point of becoming that producer, mixer engineer, um, mm-hmm. how did you know that you wanted to do that in the first place? Um, because I know that there may have been a lot of things that have uh, come your way, uh, you know, challenges and whatnot. And uh, can you explain more on on how did you know that you became, you wanted to become a producer? Well, you know, when I was, um,
1: you know, there wasn't very many jobs open to me, uh, because I quit school, you know, I didn't have a degree in anything. So, uh, sort of jobs were limited. And so I had a really long talk with myself and just, what do I want to do? What do I like doing? And is there something that I like doing that I could get paid at? And I thought, well, Hey, let's give this music thing a try. And, uh, You know, that's really what drove me and I was lucky enough, I was think I was about 18 at that point, I was lucky enough at 18 to discover what I wanted to do in life. You know, I know for a lot of people and my children included that, you know, they get out of school and they still don't know what they want to do. Oh, well, maybe I'll try this. But, you know, it's really hard to just come up with something that you love doing, but you can get paid at doing it. So, uh, you know, I've been very lucky. (laughs)
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it is, it is, uh, uh, I mean, how do I put it? I mean, it, it is lucky, I would say, um, because, you know, you don't get to see these types of positions or um, yeah. find these things nowadays, but I mean, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to do um, because it, it, it takes a lot of, um, you know, courage. It takes a lot of mindset and positive attitude to, you know, keep your foot forward and, and try to um, maintain a good, um, healthy attitude every day and, and come in and, and love what you're doing. Um, right. so how does, yeah. And how does that sort of like, um, I mean, how does that positive attitude or healthy attitude um, really help um, uh, build someone's reputation in terms of the music industry?
1: Well, um, you know, if you're, if you're doing something that you love doing, when you get up in the morning, you're not getting up in the morning to go to work. You're getting up to do something you love. So right there, you've got a positive attitude. You know, I know so many people that, you know, get up and go to work at the, you know, whatever job they're doing. And it's just for money that they're working. So Monday morning, they wake up. Oh, I hate Monday. Oh, I hate, oh, I hate going to work. Oh, thank God it's Friday. I got the weekend off, you know. I've never ha- had that because every morning I wake up, so, Oh, I get to go to work today. Oh, I get to do this. I get to you know, make music. So, um, I think, you know, with a lot of soul searching, you can f- find yourself, what, what you, your passions are, what you want to do. You know, if you want to, if you're really passionate about taking apart DNA strands, then go for it because it's not going to be work. You know, there's going to be, you know, work is work and there's going to be days you're like, Oh, this is a tough day. But if you're doing something you love doing, it doesn't matter what it is, flower arranging or, whatever if you love doing it and love that aspect of it it's not going to be work so then the positivity is always there right from when you wake up in the morning you're always positive because it's like ah i get to go to work and and do this you know so uh i think the first step is just really having an honest thought and talk to yourself and what are your passions you know just you know don't think of it as like oh i'm going to get a cool job well if you don't love doing that cool job, maybe it's a cool job being an actor, but that's that's a tough job too. So you know it's got to be something you love doing and is within your scope of your abilities and passions and then that just all builds a whole positive mindset and, and then the then it's not work anymore. You're just going you're going to make money doing something you love doing.
0: I mean, absolutely and and you talked about you know the tough days and the tough moments of, uh, of mm-hmm. being an artist or being an engineer, or being a producer or a mixer. Um, and so with that being said, um, the question I want to pose here is what has been the most difficult task of, uh, of being in the, in, in the industry, especially in the role you're in right now. Um, and also what is, what has been the most fun part and enjoyable part of, of the job as well? Yeah. Well,
1: the, the tough thing about this job is it, it is really, uh, it is hard work. It's long hours, you know, uh, An average day is probably 14 hours. Uh, You know, a lot of our long days could be, you know, up to 22 hours. Uh, There was one session I did. We did six days straight. No, no sleep. We didn't even leave the studio, you know, just coffee and cigarettes and six days went by, you know, so it could be long hours. That's tough. So then that becomes really tough on uh, relationships, you know, friends, uh, marriages, um, you know, because you're married to the job. That's all you do. Uh, you know, when we're working a lot, we don't get to go out and see live bands very much. We're at the studio all the time. So, you know, uh, we don't get to see the latest movies. I think Star Wars back in the day had been out for two years before I even saw it because, you know, you don't have a night off to go to the movies or anything. So, so that's, that's the hard part about the job. It's uh, in a way quite a lonely job. Um, it's just you and a couple people in the studio for, you know, seven days a week. 16 hours a day you know so that's tough um the fun side of it is you get to create um you know you're there and part of a creation and uh you know you get to have your input with the, the band you know they write the songs and stuff but you know sometimes they, oh you know it'd be cool is if we put this guitar part there or something and they go oh let's try that oh it works so you collaborate and you create this this cool thing and it's a you know, some of the first times I heard a song that we had worked on, on the radio, man, what a, what a thrill that is, you know, turn on the radio. I was like, Oh, wow. There's that song we were working on last week. So, you know, there's some really great moments. You meet a lot of great people. Uh, you know, most people I've met in this industry are just amazing people. Um, very positive, very, really nice people. Uh, so that's been fun too, you know, uh, and meeting people all around the world. And, uh, you know, you're not just stuck in your own little city, you're working all over the place. So that, that's pretty cool too.
0: I mean, for sure. And I mean, you, you talked about the, uh, the inspiration that you found from, um, other people that you've worked around and, and, you know, being around that environment and being around those friendly people. Um, and so the next question I had for you was, um, in terms of your role, and there's other producers and mixers and engineers who are behind the scenes of working on music and stuff, um, were there any producers um, that you've admired or look up to at this point?
1: There's a ton of them. Um, you know, just off the top of my head, uh, Bob Clear Mountain uh, was a, a great, well, still is a great engineer, uh, producer. I loved how he made his records sound. Uh, a Guy named Hugh Padgham was awesome, great guy. Um, You know, Jimmy Page, uh, you know, was in awe of him and his production and all the Led Zeppelin stuff. And, uh, you know, I got to work with him on a record. So that was pretty thrilling. Uh, Another big influence in my life and who I looked up to a lot was Bob Rock. So he's another Vancouver started out producer. Um, So, you know, there's been many, many people in my life that uh, have really helped me out. And I looked up to and learned off of, you know,
0: I mean, absolutely. I mean, there there's obviously a lot of people who um, play a big role in, in terms of uh, making everyone succeed and, and also helping everyone grow at the same time and, and learn their way through it. Um, and so, I mean, you talked about songs that, like, you know, you kind of like get shocked and you, you listen to it on the radio and you're like, wow, this is the things that I've worked on so far. Um, and then it kind of becomes like, it's surprising at the time that you listen to it on the radio for the first time. And then it becomes something that's non surprising because it's like you've worked on it for so long that it doesn't really become anything new. Um, and and so in terms of uh, songs, uh, there's one song that really stood out to me um, and that you've worked on. And that's Kanon's uh, Wave and Flag Young Artist for Haiti. Um, oh, right on. And, and, and yeah, I mean, Kanon is from Toronto. I mean, yeah. he was um, his story of that song became a huge hit because of the World Cup. Um, you know with a big event like that you're expecting to have a big audience and people who listen yeah. to it every day um so can you talk to me about like how that came to be and and sort of how is it experience working with canaan and those other artists and also um you know how is that kind of how did the song come together um, all, all together well well that particular song that was a uh, there was a
1: big team of us doing that and it was led by the uh, by the great uh, Bob Ezrin, amazing guys, amazing records. Another guy I really look up to, and another local uh, producer here called uh, Garth Richardson. So his dad was Jack Richardson, you know, from the Guess Who and all those days. Uh, so they had kind of put it together and wanted me to be be part of it. So. Well, they came to Vancouver to record the song. And they said, "Oh, we got to get Mike to come in and and record it." Uh, so that was that was the team. The three of us were the team that recorded it. But um, but Bob had put it all together. Bob Aspin had put it all together. Uh, we got all the uh, different guest singers and all that come in. They filmed the whole thing. So it was a that was a pretty full day of, of just, you know, recording vocals. All the, all the music had been pre-recorded, but just, it was just recording the vocals and all that. And it was a, it was a full, crazy busy day. And, you know, looking back on it, I couldn't imagine doing that during, during uh, this pandemic, because, you know, <laughs> the whole studio was just packed with people the whole time. It was, uh, it was quite exciting to be a part of. And uh, Kane Adams, uh what a, an amazing uh, musician, amazing voice. And a super, super nice guy. So I really enjoyed working for him. And it was really nice to see someone like that get the the kudos that he earned, you know? Uh so that was really rewarding that one.
0: I mean, certainly. I mean, and and in terms of in terms of working with Kanon and in terms of that song, um, what, what was kind of the difficult task of kind of like arranging that and and I know like Bob Ezrin and, and Garth Richardson were sort of the the main guys behind that song and, yeah. and and really helped put it together but like in terms of your perspective on it uh, what what sort of was a difficult task of putting that song together and, and and making it sound what it is today
1: well you know again it's just uh, the time the timetable of recording so many guest artists and they they'd come in and you know some singers, need a half hour an hour to sing their part and some can do it in five minutes. So you never know till you get going, you know, uh, and we just always had to keep things moving on, moving on, but, you know, get their best performance as well. And, you know, wanted them happy with their performance. So that was a bit of a, uh, a take. And then I remember also, you know, we weren't sure which order and who was going to sing what parts. So sometimes they'd sing most of the song and then later on we'd have to say, okay, let's, you know put so-and-so in here and let's put the next one there oh that doesn't flow together so let's okay well let's put them over here so that was a bit of a challenge finding out how how to kind of arrange the different vocalists throughout the song and everybody getting getting a good moment in the song as well
0: mm-hmm. and you know when i was when i was trying to find questions um uh, to ask you about, you know, different songs and different artists, it, it was sort of a challenge because I was like, what do I ask a producer? Because it's, 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 it's hard because, you know, like you're, you're always trying to make a, you know, make a good impression for other people and, and trying to find the right questions without, you know, right. offending, offending anybody. Um, yep. um And so this is the question I want to ask you because I found this one interesting and you just yep. talked about arranging, uh, arranging songs and arranging artists in different positions um, so how do you approach the sensitive task of, of discussing changes and rearrangements with artists and, and trying to find that good chemistry within both artists or bands?
1: Yeah, you know, that that is a tough one. And uh, like back in my day, when I started working at the studio, there wasn't any kind of recording studio or recording school or or course or anything you could take. It was all school of hard knocks. So you know you just learned learned as you go and and off of good people so one of the main things I've found and I think some of these recording schools should be teaching is a a psychology course because it's all about you got to be a good psychologist to to work with all these different uh, personalities and get everybody comfortable and working together because you want everything happy and up in the studio because that's makes the artist relax, and they're able to give their best performance. And, you know, these guys walk in, they've written a song, and the song is basically their child, their baby. So for you to go, oh, that's great, but, you know, can we change that? You know, can we put a different arm on there, and can we change the hair color, and can we, you know, is very, uh, like, intimate to them, and they're allowing you to change their child. So there's got to be a lot of trust there. Uh, you know, there's ways of asking somebody to redo something without saying, oh, that sounded horrible. Do it again. It's like, oh man, that was so close. Uh, let's try and do another one. Let's see if we can beat that. Or, you know, there's ways of, of just, you don't want to bruise egos. And, you know, like I said, most of the people I've worked with are, have been great. And you know, we sort of have this saying, you know, when you come into a studio, leave your ego at the door, you know, and if you can do that and do everything without ego, then you're always open to okay. Let's try it. If it sounds better, great. If it doesn't sound very good, oh well. You know, we'll try something else. So it 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 really creates a good um, a good environment for creating. You know.
0: Mm-hmm, for sure. And I mean, when it comes to you know recording songs and 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 when you get pitched a song by an artist um, mm-hmm. to, to produce, mix, and engineer it um what is the first thing you listen for when listening to a new recording um and then what is the one thing that every song must have for it to be a like a solid um song that could be like played on the radio right yeah yeah well
1: for me uh when i an artist comes to me with a, a bunch of songs uh i go i'd like to work on the songs that i get uh, attracted to like oh i like uh I like that guitar riff in that song, or I love that melody or the chorus is really, you know, you have to see something really good that speaks to me. Now it might not speak to anybody else, but it speaks to me. So that's what attracts me to on that song. Say, okay, let's do that song and that song and that song. That other song, I don't really get, you know, it doesn't, doesn't do anything for me. So sometimes that song won't get done. Uh, sometimes they still do it and it turns out, you know, good, but, you know, music's a very personal thing. Uh, so, you know, what I would pick as, Oh, this will be the first single might not be what you would pick to be the first single because you'll have a different taste or a different take on things. So once you've got the album all done, say you've done, you know, 10 to 12 songs, then a bunch of you, some songs are pretty obviously as the ones, oh, that's going to go on the radio. That just sounds like, a, you know, a radio song. Uh, and then some, you got to, you know, like, oh, gee, it's a tie between these two. So, you know, usually between the band, the band's management uh, and the record label. And, you know, I'll have some input as well. We'll kind of go through and sort of pick the top three or four songs and say, oh, that's the, the song's, that will get pushed to get on the radio you know so it's a, it's a quite a bit of a process to get the songs in the radio and then you know sometimes the fans will buy the record and and none of those ones that were on the radio are the fan favorites you know like <laughs> like the ones that didn't get on the radio so it's it's a really it's a really funny thing uh you know a lot of the people in labels are are sometimes better at feeling what the audience is going to like and, you know, that's what we're trying to do is give the audience what they're going to want, you know?
0: So, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you're, you're right on every point there. And and I mean, it, it's, a, it's a hard thing because, um, you know, artists artists and bands are going to pitch one thing to you and, and say that this is how I would like it. Uh, yep. But again, like, you're not going to get everything that you like at this point. I mean, the industry yep. is a hard thing and and it's a hard expectation to have because it's like, you know, you want to please the artist, and you want to make sure that they're getting what they what they deserve and, and what they would like to hear on it. But then again, it's like what's best for them. I mean, you know, it, it's a hard thing to really balance that and and trying to find different ways to make sure that you're incorporating what they want, but also yeah. doing something that elevates the music and and tries to make them different and stand out from the other people. Um, yeah. And so, how does that how how does that really? Um, I mean. In terms of authenticity, let let me just put it that way. Um, How important is that in in music and and putting into songs and all these different things in in the music industry?
1: Well, I think it's very important, uh, and especially for the bands, because say a band comes in and has a really hugely successful record, then they come back into the studio and to do another record. Well, they don't want to kind of do the same record that they've already done, you know, like just change a few lyrics and all that and put out the same record. Now, a lot of the fans would love that. They go, oh, why did they change their sound? Oh, I don't like it as much as that record. Or that. Well, bands are, you know, musicians are creative people. They want to move on. They want to do a, do it up. So it's always a very fine line, you know, like say you get a band like ACDC and they've done, you know, all their records, you know, they haven't changed a thing because it works, but you know, the songs are different but their sounds the same and that's what you know one of the reasons they're so big um but you know like if they all of a sudden changed up and and did one record that sounded more country or something like that they would lose their fans but they might gain some other fans so it's always a balance so i think most bands want to do what's inside of them and what they want to get out and give their fans but you got to be very careful that you don't lose your fan base. So you kind of have to give the fans what they want. But uh, I think the trick is to give them new material, but make the fans believe that that's what they want. (laughs) If you follow me, you know?
0: I mean, absolutely. And and you talked about ACDC there. Um, And you talked about a lot of the established artists and bands that you've had the pleasure of working with and, 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 you know, mixing and engineering and producing their songs. um, And, and, you know, Guns N' Roses, I mean, I've, I've, I've seen off like, you know, your long resume of, of people who you've worked with. I mean, what sort of the experience was that working uh, like on records for Guns N' Roses and ACDC and Metallica and all those other big bands that are, uh, you know, historic in, in the music industry and, you know, legends of kind of music. out
1: yeah well you know it's for sure it's fun and and where i get my kick is sort of that's the that's the genre that i like you know is is hard rock uh you know i've worked on many different kind of genres and i really enjoy being a part of any kind of music whether it's symphonic or or country or uh, r&b or heavy rock but when it's heavy rock like that's just what i like as a as a fan so it's it's, it's a great uh, experience to be sitting there working with a, a band that you really look up to and like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm sitting here with, with Angus Young or something like that. But, um, you know, I've never been kind of starstruck. So, you know, it's just like, you know, you go to work and they they are the, happen to be the guys you're working with, you know, and uh, but it's it's really fun to be a part of uh you know, you get to hear all the songs before anybody else does, you know, and sometimes even for a couple of years before anybody else hears them. So that's, it's kind of neat to, to be a part of that for
0: sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's it's an opportunity of a lifetime to be able to, you know, work on people that you've, you've admired for years and yeah. listen to their music. Um, And I know friends of mine who, who love, you know, ACDC and, and Guns N' Roses uh, more specifically. Um, and yeah. so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much wondering that like they're probably thinking about like questions to ask about, you know, how did that song come about from Guns N' Roses and, and stuff like that. But in terms of the record that you worked for uh, on for Guns N' Roses, um, sort of how, what was that experience like doing those records um, and sort of how is it working with them? Well, uh, the Guns of Roses,
1: uh, I've only worked on their live record, uh, so that was mixing, so none of the band was there. I would just get all the, the various tapes from all the different cities. Uh, I believe Mexico was one and uh, L.A. was probably, you know, there's just tapes from all different performances. And then we sort of went through it and chose the best, uh, like, you know. Oh, that song was really good on the Mexico night. Oh, that song was really good in Florida. Oh, that song was really, you know, so when we compiled the live mix of uh, the live uh, tape, you know, I'd have to mix each song, but I'd have to mix them. So they sounded like they're all done on the same night. You know, it can't be holes because you know we wanted to simulate being at a show. So, you know, with the audience had to go between the songs properly and, and all that. But uh you know, that was just me by myself. I would just put it all together, do the mix, and then I would send it off to uh, to Axel. He was the only one that was uh, listening to any of it. All the rest of the band was off doing something else. So he would listen and, and would approve it, say, oh, yeah, I like that. Or, oh, can you make the vocal louder? Or, you know, he'd have some input and and we'd fix that. And then we'd move on to the next little section, you know, so that was, that was the Guns N' Roses. I've never sat with them in a studio and recorded them uh, in the studio, just mixed.
0: I mean, that, that is pretty cool in itself already. I mean, to be able to work on, you know, something like that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. all of us who are like young aspirational artists and, and, you know, listen to their music and get inspired by what they do and their cadence in terms of their songs. Um, And, and, you know, that's, i mean it's an opportunity of a lifetime like i've mentioned before um right yeah I, I mean i mean when when it comes to you know um other favorite artists or bands um i mean do you have any other favorites that you would um sort of gravitate towards or um that you currently listen to right now that you like wow that band is like so good and, and their music really stands out Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a
1: tough one for me because uh if i'm not in the studio working i don't listen to music at all you know in my car i've got it all programmed on talk talk radio uh i don't even have a stereo here in the house because unfortunately for me when i turn on music i get my work ears going and i start listening to oh i don't like that kick drum sound oh that vocal's out of tune oh that guitar part's weird so i can't I don't enjoy music like most people do anymore. Um, so that's, that's a tough one. Like I hear a lot of great music. Uh, I hear stuff that I go, Oh boy, I'd love to work with them. Um, and I, you know, I can't think of names off the top of my head. Uh, there's a couple of bands I've worked with lately. One band called the wild that I, I really like. They're, they're kind of uh, local to the Vancouver area here. <laughs> they're pretty awesome. They're they're really good band, really good live. Uh, and that's what I like in a band. I like a band with, with good songs, but you go and see them live and live, they're just like, oh my god, these guys are awesome. You know, it's kind of like the AC DC thing, you know. AC DC, if you've ever seen them live, that's that's how you become an AC DC fan because they're so awesome live, you know. So um, so yeah, I mean, I just love all music. I don't really have particular anyone in sight. You know, I've been lucky enough. I think I've been doing this almost 40 years or more than 40 years uh, that I've worked with uh, pretty much all my, my childhood heroes, you know, all the bands that I loved as a kid, you know, deep purple and, you know, Van Halen and ACDC and the the cult. And, you know, I've got to work with all those bands. So uh, I don't know what else there would be, you know, like, uh, you know, I've never worked with the stones. Well, maybe that that's a possibility, but you know, Looks like they're getting too old now and Charlie's gone. So, um, you know, I've had a really blessed career at this, you know, and I'm very grateful for my time uh, doing it.
0: (laughs) I mean, for sure. I mean, that's, I mean, it's a long list of people who are, you know, hall of famers, you know, people who have really made their, you know, established name in the industry and and Mm -hmm. in in the world uh, more specifically, um, I mean, I, I was recently watching a documentary uh, about uh, David Foster um, yeah. and how gifted he is. Um, and, uh, and I'm not sure if you've ever, like, you know, spoke with him or met with him or. Had, oh, yeah. yeah. Worked with him. He's a good friend. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so can, can, can you kind of speak on it? Because I've been really wondering and want to speak to somebody who really knew David Foster as, as a person and, and really got to work with him. And really got to pick his brain about, you know, producing music and stuff like that. And, and so can you explain what the experience was like uh, with David Foster?
1: Yeah, I mean, he is just an amazing, gifted musician. You know, he was a keyboard player. And then he managed to get uh, and produce all the, the Chicago records. I believe that was sort of his first kind of big break. Uh, and then he's done all the big, giant icons, Barbara Streisand and, you know, all those big icon because he he's really musical. He's really good at uh, working with people, you know, like the psychology of it uh, makes them comfortable. Uh, I remember working with him that he is quite the taskmaster master uh, because when we worked together, it was before, you know, computers uh, could fix the pitch and do all that, you know, so they sang a part and something was out of tune. Nope. Sing it again. Nope. Sing it again. So, you know, he'd make them do it 50, 60, umpteen times you know and each time you got to punch in that one little section you know so uh sometimes it was grueling and he had a level of perfection that he always wanted to get out of the artist but you know i think i think that's what you know made him so good or makes him so good is is he's got that level of perfection and he's not gonna uh settle for anything less so he just cracks the whip until he gets it you know
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, even in the documentary, like this is, this is what was hilarious about uh, David Foster. Um, I remember, you know, the scene where Celine Dion and, um, and Andre Bocelli, they were talking about the, the prayer. Um, yes. and, and what was so funny was how Celine Dion said uh, that David Foster would make her record about like seven times. And in those seven times of, of takes, he, he's like, that was good but then do this part again for another eighth time. And then he'll make you do it over and over again until he thinks it's right. Um, yep. And and, yep. And, and, so, and so like you were just speaking on like how he, he makes you take multiple takes and if it needs to go longer into the night and, and trying to finish this, he will do it. Um, even yep. with Barbara Streisand. I mean, I, I remember when Barbara Streisand, he, he, uh, she was talking about her song that she was playing on the piano and the piano guy wasn't really playing it right and it wasn't really making it sound the way that barbara Streisand wanted to uh, play it um and then david foster came into the room started playing the piano part um and then barbara Streisand was like who is that guy um and 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 sort of like and then david foster was like that's the way that it should be um and 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 so like that was kind of like wow that's kind of like the wow moment of like how gifted david foster is in the industry and and Sort of how sort of he's yeah. made every Canadian proud to, you know, be able to hold so many records and so many awards and and yeah. respected you know, uh, professionalism and reputation in the industry. Um, and so with that being said, I mean, you've I mean, we've talked about countless artists and bands that you've worked with. And and I mean, for me specifically, I've I've loved country music, um, mm-hmm. and so I know you've you've worked on uh, Roots and Wings uh, for Terry Clark. Um, uh, and and so and i've been listening to her podcast country goal backstage uh she had an interview with vince gill which is one of my heroes and and, uh, i really admire his music and so so could you kind of explain to me how that uh experience was working on roots and wings and and how do you feel now just seeing the success that she's having as a grand old Opry member now oh man i'm so proud of her uh
1: you know, one, you know, being Canadian, like, you know, I've got a soft spot for all Canadians, but, uh, you know, she again is such a sweetheart person. Uh, I I was only mixing her stuff, but she would come in, I'd finished mixing the song and she'd come in and listen to it and, and make again, any changes if she wanted or whatever. But, um, you know, it was just a pleasure working with her and, and seeing her success, uh, and she just, you know, just kind of keeps climbing, climbing, climbing because, you know, being a country artist in Canada is really tough. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not like being in Nashville. And I, I know she's down in Nashville now, but that's that's kind of what you got to do to keep your, keep it going. You know, there's not a lot of country stations across Canada. Well, there's not many cities across Canada compared to the States, you know. So it's really hard to sustain a, a country career up here uh, just because touring is so few and far between and blah, blah blah but you know she's just managed to always keep it going and she just keeps kind of climbing a step climbing a step climbing a step you know and so just fills you with pride to see what she's doing and accomplished out there so i'm with you on that i'm a big fan of hers
0: i mean for sure i mean just what a great artist she's become um mm. uh, being able to perform you know on the five thousandth episode um, uh, five thousand special for the Grand Ole Opry, um, yeah. and and you know she got to perform alongside Chris and Darius Rucker, who's been I mean a legend for, I mean forever. I mean mm-hmm. uh, being able to work with Hootie and the Blowfish, um, you know like it's it's so like inspiring to see like people like her to do things, especially being the first female Canadian, um, at the yeah. Grand Ole Opry. Um, I mean, excluding from Shania Twain, Shania Twain has been a legend in the industry, but like, yeah. you know, to see the, you know, the growth of the music industry and the music scene in Canada now and how much yeah. they're growing, um, we're seeing it through Drake, we're seeing it through Bieber, uh, Michael Buble. Um, yeah. and so, I mean, for myself and, and I, and I know as, as a young up and coming, um, future artist myself, um. Mm-hmm. And, and for people who are young and, and want to get into music and want to learn and, and are interested in the industry, uh, what sort of advices uh, would you give uh, uh, with your now that you've had the wealth of experience and knowledge that you've had and, and experience working with different artists and bands? So what kind of advices would you give to young people like me or, or um, other people who are young aspiring artists?
1: Well, mainly uh, I, would, I would say is just always work. On your craft work on your plane you know whether it's piano guitar drums whatever you're playing get the best you could be on that and don't rely on all the computer programs that can fix you and make you sound good because you know uh i find that a lot of the newer bands today are lazy they'll come in and play it a couple times say oh you can edit that right oh you can quantize the drums oh you can tune the vocals well yeah we can but you know those tools in my mind were invented to help with little problems. It's not to create, and and too much music's being created in the computer now, and people just do one pass, and then, you know, my view is is when you're recording, the more of it you can get live, the better, because that's what captures magic, and magic is what makes that song and the record sound great. you know, you can piece together a perfect sounding song, but there's no magic to it. It just sounds like, oh, well, there's a there's a nice song and everything's in tune and in time. And, oh, I like that song. But if you heard it with with a performance, then you go, oh, that song's great. That song's amazing. And you can only get in a performance by um Working on your particular craft. You know, if you need to go get vocal lessons or learn how to breathe so you can sing in tune, uh, you know, just learn how to play that guitar uh, in tune and to your best ability. I mean, you don't have to turn into a Joe Satriani or anything, but you know, the better you can get on your instrument so you can play the whole song live with feeling and maybe only one or two little mistakes, then that's the goal you should be aiming for instead of going oh, I'll just play it in pieces and we'll piece it together in the computer. It's, you're not going to get magic that way, I don't think.
0: Mm, um, I mean, just some great words there. And and I think that, like, you know, so many people have so much respect for so many producers, especially you that, you know, like that, that really do the work behind the scenes that we don't get to see a lot of, Um. you know, we only get to hear the music and people don't understand what goes on behind um, the workings of you know the ins and outs of the songs and and the nights that are stressful and, and trying to get the right takes and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. but like thank you so much for taking the time uh, to speak with me and, and for this insightful and um, historical conversation about the music industry yeah. and sort of your. Well, career.
1: Thank, thank you for having me on and uh, I just wanted to say any of your listeners or whatever uh you know want to do some work with me or send me their songs or whatever uh you know you can get me at mike at mikefrasermix.com and uh, i i read and answer every email so uh, you know i don't care how how little or unknown anybody is Uh, i always like to hear new uh new artists and new music so cheers
0: well i mean thank you so much again for taking the time i mean i know you're a very busy man i know you have a busy schedule but uh I mean, I, I, I hope I stay safe during these times and, and, and hopefully we'll get some more live music out there hopefully soon down the road and, and try to get past this whole thing. But until then, uh, take care and I, and I hope you do have a, a great rest of your weekend. Great. Well, thank, thanks again for reaching out and this has been
1: an absolute pleasure. You had some great questions um, and a lot of questions that I don't normally get asked. So that, that was awesome. So
0: thank you very much. Take care. That was Canadian record producer, mixer, and music engineer, Mike Fraser. Thank you again for listening to this episode. If you're new to my podcast, feel free to check out my show that is available on all podcast streaming platforms. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for Tuesday's episode when Canadian record producer and engineer Garth Richardson joins me next on the Jimmy Kelting Show. Until then, have a great day, and I'll chat with you Tuesday.